0: this is film school grab your popcorn class is about to begin Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Film School podcast. Today's guest is the wonderful Walker Brandt. She's appeared in many major Hollywood productions, including City Slickers, Dante's Peak, and Lunar Cop, as well as U.S. and international TV shows, including Star Trek The Next Generation, Beverly Hills 90210, and Die Gang, to name a few. Some of the projects she has worked on have taken her to locations like South Africa, where she was able to meet and spend time with Nelson Mandela before his election, laugh backstage with Shirley MacLaine when she was on tour in Africa, and play with baby lions and see wild African elephants in their habitat. And another project took her to the countryside of East Berlin during the shooting of a TV series. Her image and talents have been used in dozens of commercials and ad campaigns for popular national and international brands. In addition to traditional acting roles, she's also hosted and done voiceover for several brands. We talk so much about her career, uh, how she got into acting, how it was initially an escape from a pretty troubled life that she had growing up and uh, why she ended up leaving what was a toxic Hollywood system during the 1990s to pursue commercials rather than feature films. Talk about her time, of course, on Star Trek, working with Pierce Brosnan and so much more, including her book, Awaken, which you definitely want to check out. Uh, Walker was an amazing guest. I'm not going to talk any more about her. I'll let her do the talking. Let's get into today's episode with Walker Brandt. In your book, you said that we are here on this earth to open into who we really are. So I want to know from you, who are you? When you introduce yourself to someone, when you describe yourself, uh, how would you describe yourself?
1: Um, Gosh, that's a great question. I am a, uh, so let's just do a little story. I come from Vikings. Hmm. I am a woman who is strong, capable, loving. I am a bonus mom. I am a wife. I am an artist through and through. I am a a survivor and a thriver. I, I live in nature and long for nature and love nature. Um, I live for it. Uh, I'm so connected to nature. I, yeah, I can get stuck looking at an ant for hours.
2: Hmm.
1: I can um, sit in silence for hours. That's who I am. I'm somebody who ponders and seeks the truth. Um, and I'm forever looking towards the next thing that inspires and and excites, you know, and, but at the same time, I love where I'm at in this moment. I love that life is a constant discovery and exploration. And I think being open, being open to that is really who I am. The excitement of that is who I am.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful hearing you say now that it's about being present in nature and being present in these situations because hearing your early story you know, you talk about nature as being an escape from the present, from getting out of, uh, of a really traumatic and kind of scary home situation as a as a young kid. Um, what did that mean to you then? Like, what did it mean to you know? You you called nature your first stage on an episode that I was listening to uh, of another podcast. Um, what did it mean to you know be imaginative at an early age? What did that look like for you?
1: acceptance and um, being in on stage in nature, as you heard, and um, being in nature, what it meant to me was being accepted. Mm -hmm. I never felt that I didn't fit in in nature, Mm -hmm. never felt I didn't fit in. I always felt like it, that I was home, and that everything in nature was receiving me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Even if I was challenged by it, it was receiving me. And I, that was something I wasn't experiencing at my house. So it, so when I went into nature, you know, I think we all long, uh, we have a deep, deep need to be accepted, to be understood, to just be present and feel safe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ultimately, as a first sort of beginning, when we first come into this, we want to feel safe. We yeah. want to know we're loved. We want to know we're accepted. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that in nature. I always did. And I felt safe enough to be totally vulnerable and open and give my love. Hmm. That's what it meant to me.
0: I'm curious, like seeking that acceptance and that love and adoration, that can be a really great thing. And it can also be a recipe for disaster for a young person going into Hollywood system or, or going into the world in general, like for going into any career path, um, what were some of the dangers of that search in the beginning and how did it kind of balance itself out? How did you protect yourself trying to find that acceptance and love?
1: First, I think a lot of people, as we, as we learn about, especially more now because people are, are, are um, more inclined to share. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Hollywood system prior to, you know, the nineties, everybody kept it very quiet. If there was a problem, you know, if somebody didn't fit into and you became a big star, then your life on the outside and what people knew about you was cultivated. Mm -hmm. So um, fortunately, I mean, I did come in on the tail end of that, even though there wasn't the studio system in the same way, the remnants of that, I think was still definitely the Mm -hmm. nineties Hollywood. And women were treated a specific way, and um, it was it was pretty gnarly. A lot of things were, were rough. One of the things that I noticed going into Hollywood, especially in my acting classes, is that I realized I was not alone. There were a lot of fellow performers that had been through trauma and mm-hmm. been through difficulty. And we all, a lot of us, were seeking for, looking for family, mm-hmm. looking for, that connection and we became very close very quickly. So I would say boundaries, not having that clear boundary that a loving um, home environment and acceptance in your home environment naturally gives you is you, you have a clearly defined understanding one of your value that you are worth being understood that that you are loved as you are and you have a healthy uh boundary as a result of that when you don't have that at least for me um i went into the industry not realizing consciously that i was looking for a family Hmm. i was looking for somebody to praise me i when i discovered that some you know because and the reason i say this is granted i didn't go into the industry um i didn't grow up wanting to be an actor i was just i was one of those discovered discovered uh Stories, and it definitely happened just like that. Walking down the street, oh. for me, and um, so it 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 became really clear, especially because I started Meisner. I started very much in method, um, in that that style of craft, and when method is very all encompassing losing yourself into the character in many ways um i always think of uh, richard i think it was richard drive as it said just try pretending <laughs> i think no, it was richard right. that said that. and it's like um uh, when i started i wanted to get lost mm-hmm. i wanted to to go into another character it was like how i would disappear in nature mm-hmm. from my childhood my home where i was not my childhood my Home life. I'd run into nature, and it was an escape for me to go and be something that I that I wasn't there, which was free, accepted, uh, expansion, not contracted and afraid. I was totally unafraid. And so when I was playing in a character, it was the same kind of feeling, but consciously I wasn't paralleling how dangerous that could be. Yeah. Right. Because you're you know it's it just is it's just a dangerous situation when you're dealing with people and uh that don't recognize what you're going through, yeah right you know, so um so yeah that that was I think the most difficult was the awakening that I had, the recognition that oh my, I'm not coming out of this character as quickly as I should, mm-hmm. As and you you hear stories about this with actors all the time, and there's it's you know historical throughout the industry. People get married, you know, on set. Or, you know, they meet each other, they get married. That doesn't work out, you know. A couple mm-hmm. years later, their characters marry each other, yeah. you know, because it's, it's it's very much, you know, acting. The craft is a vulnerable vulnerable to be good at it. It's a very uh, immersive vulnerable. Beautiful craft, but as Uda Hagen says, if you study it correctly, and you're and you will come out of it one of the most well-adjusted people that you ever thought you could be. But you have to know hmm. and be willing to be as honest with yourself as you are meant to be with the character. Yeah, and, and walk those two together and recognize that. Well, in my twenties, that was like you know Einstein level consciousness. <laughs> I right. was not there. So I was extremely vulnerable to that, um, the side of the industry that was da- is damaging not just for women but for men for anyone that's been through trauma. Mm-hmm. they could you know if if you're not because of the level of vulnerability that it requires if you are not doing your own inner work to recognize when somebody's crossing a, a boundary that they ought to have, mm-hmm. um, you can end up in trouble and. Every movie set is not a family, even though we say that it's not a family. But we do get we do stay together for, you know, two, three months sometimes. And we do get close because we're raw and open while we're there. Mm -hmm. But It's not your family. And um, that can really cause a lot of um, inner turmoil when it starts to disappear and people go about their lives and I recognized in my uh, mid twenties to well in my late twenties. Ooh, if I don't if I don't heal myself, this could take me out. Hmm. I could I could this could take me out. I could yeah. either become an addict um, because that runs in my family, and I had urges to start using again um, because of the it's just the, the shock of it, not knowing what is happening and why am I feeling this way Mm -hmm. about this experience so um the danger is not recognizing that you you need to do your personal inner work Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in order to create the success that you want to create on the outside and as an actor you're it's an honorable wonderful job to tell the stories of others and to bring stories to the public in a way that is vulnerable true and authentic but don't for a second mistake that it's something that doesn't have a price. If you no. have issues and you have trauma, deal with that. Deal with that while you're, you're walking that path. Don't, don't ignore you mm-hmm. while you're trying to be other people.
0: No, yeah. yeah. What, what was it that triggered the sense that like, okay, I need to address this. You know, was it a, Rock bottom moment? Was it, you know, was it reading a certain book? Like, what was the thing where you went, oh, like, this isn't healthy. Let me try to actually unpack this and see, you know, what kind of inner work I can start doing on myself?
1: So there were two things that happened. Um, one was I heard Richard Attenborough sort of taking American actors over the coals. <laughs> he said, American actors need to live more life before they start taking on, you know, some, some, a lot of them he felt need to live life because acting is about life. Hmm. And I'm seeing too much superficial, you know, on the surface. And he was, he was correct in a lot of ways. A lot of the stuff and product we were putting out, I wonder what he has to say now because there's some really crazy stuff that's on that level yeah. now. Exactly. It's like, um, but when he said that to me or- it, it was to me, I heard it t- to me. It was, it was just random, it was playing and it just like whoosh, right into me. I thought, am I living my life or am I running from something?
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: what I, how I heard it. And I was, I was running from my past for sure. And I thought, gosh, I'm all work all about work constantly. I go from mm-hmm. one job to the next job, the next job, the next job. I don't have a life. I'm, you know, I kind of fit it in around. So that hit me. And then I was in South Africa on a job uh, shooting a film. And um, the, uh, and I wrote a little bit about it in the book. The uh, director and one of the lead actors um, made a deal behind my back to get a, that he wanted to get a raw, unexpected moment. And this was a scene where my character was getting attacked by three men. And, um, and if you know the industry, which I I know you do, when it comes to any scene where a woman is getting attacked, or there's a fight scene, or any any kind of violent scene, it's discussed mm-hmm. thoroughly with the director, the actors. Everybody's understood what's going to happen before we go into it, because there's a possibility that somebody could get hurt if it goes any other way. You know, we need to be, it's choreographed and it's, it's not just, you know, physically, but, and blocked and everything, but mentally, you know, to put yourself in a position, especially when you are somebody who's, who really goes there, which I did, which I do. um, You're very vulnerable because you put yourself in that helpless position. And so what happened was this director, um, made an agreement with uh, one of the actors who was attacking one of the three guys and with the guys that were with him to really hold me down and to do something that was not scripted, which is was to lick my face, which was disgusting and shocking to me. Um, not just that, but I was trying to move my arms and the guys were holding my arms so hard that I was literally bruised on my arms. They were holding me and I was trying to up and they I even went in between Taylor could you loosen my arm loosen your grip a little bit no response they just it was like I didn't even say anything it was like they were in their own space and I I literally experienced it as if I were being attacked because I didn't have there wasn't that in the back of my mind knowing that I'm safe yeah there's you gotta know as an actor you're safe to really let go And I really let go because I thought I was. And then I realized I wasn't in the midst of it and didn't at the same time, not want to, you know, to just completely lose control and freak out. No, he got what he wanted um, because, you know, I was terrified. But when the guy licked my face, I mean, could you imagine that happening now after COVID? (laughs) Oh my God. Then it was like, so disgusting because I couldn't get up and I'm feeling his saliva drying on the whole side of my face. It was that long that I was being held there. And the, just the way your skin starts to get tight and the feeling I could feel is like all my pores were just like, and I was so sickened by it. That, that moment, something shifted in me. And I finished the film, and I you know I'm a professional i I finished it and the the lead lead actor opposite me um was really pissed he was producing it he was really pissed this happened hmm. and he um he handled the situation a couple of days later when he had a scene with the guy, which was really great that he you know felt that he wanted to make sure that it was it was brought to you know it was brought out, and it was not okay. But, you know, the guy that did it, his um response was, oh, she's young. she's she's not a professional. She hasn't been doing it as long as I have. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. she's a no she's an ingenue. that's what it was. she's done yeah. she didn't say she's not a professor. she's an ingenue. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's like, you know, I was just had no respect for women. had none. Yeah. just had no respect for women. And, you know, God rest his soul. He's no longer with us, but it, it was like, you know, the world we lived in,
0: there yeah. was a
1: lot of that. It was just yeah. A lot of
0: that. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was something that was, I've heard that phrase come up a lot, you know, in interviewing, um, I interviewed Diane Franklin uh, a few months ago and reading through her book and a lot of similar conversations, you know, and, and she's the same, you know, was very professional and, and, you know, and also didn't, I mean, pre me too, era, I mean, This doesn't get talked about, you know, but like, you know, in her book, she talks about literally here's structured in the script. Here's this amount of nudity for this shot. And then the conversation in the car with a producer going and, you know, do this, 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 and this, you know, and like, that's gotta be a terrifying position as a young actor. You know, I can't even imagine first being a female, you know, which you talk about gender biases in your book as well. And then in the Hollywood system where, There's, you're going into auditions with 30, 40, 50 people who you're feeling competitive, you know, there's a lot on the line. And so to say no, or to establish those boundaries has to be a terrifying situation to be in. Like it probably doesn't feel like there's a right, right answer.
1: It's you're exactly right. And you, you know, and when you're, I have so much compassion for every, first of all, for every actor that's actress and actor that's been through this. Cause it's not just a problem with women. It's a problem right, with right. too. Um, but casting directors have been through this too. And it's, you know, pressured by producers to bring in specific talent. I watched that happen. Um, and the women not being supported to And I'm just going to speak to women because that's all I can. I just know that it happens with men, too, because I've spoken to men that it's happened to. But women have not had the foundation and the platform to support one another and create a livelihood. That's the thing that has been the most, I think, cruel about this is women have been forced and almost her- herded in, in many ways. If you're gonna be in this world and make a living as a woman, you need to do it at the, in this lane. And this is what you must put up with. And that's what I saw, not just actresses, but casting directors, female directors that I worked with. Every woman in the industry, is, in, in, I can only speak to my you know, time in the 90s when I was really in the theatrical side of it, Cause I pulled myself out of that and went into commercial after that. And I, uh, we'll talk about that if you choose to. But I, um, that I watched that happen and I just recognized, you know what? I, I am not going to be in this lane. I had my, my agents tell me, Walker, straight up, if you want to go to the next level, you're going to have to do nudity because of the way you look. Girls that look like you, there's a path. Yeah. There's a path. And I and I was one of the one of the few actresses in, in when I started that had Walker Brand SAG actress does not do nudity at yeah. the very top of my my uh, resume, because I I always had a. You know, I had a I, I, I feel like I've been a mom my whole life, but I always wanted I didn't want to do anything that I couldn't show my little sisters. I didn't want to do anything. I couldn't show my kids. Mm-hmm. It made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel uncomfortable. And I thought, oh, I can't show my kids this. It's going to make them. I'm not doing it. And so yeah. I turned films down over and over. And my agents just got got tired of it. They got pissed yeah. off at me. And so did casting directors. I got I had cast directors mad at me because I didn't want to do it. And I at the time, it really pissed me off. <laughs> and it hurt my feelings because I was young. But I didn't recognize until much later, oh, my gosh, these people are getting the same pressure. These women were getting the same pressure I was yeah. getting. They were getting it from the producers, right? And they were trying to make a living, and they were trying to support their family. Like I was trying to support my family. So here we were, a bunch of women in our siloed, you know, suffering situation, trying to make a living in this, you know, environment where, frankly, it's just out of balance—too many yeah. men and not enough women, and not enough women who who had the courage, and me included, to say, "I am." going to be here for my fellow woman because mm-hmm. we got to balance the situation out and not, I mean, there's a lot of great men involved in there in, in Hollywood too, but you know, not everybody can be a Ron Howard. He's like, you know, one of the yeah. most amazing directors and, and people. And I was privileged to meet his parents uh, with a beautiful uh, female director that I worked with. And, um, you know, but that's like, you know, unicorns in the middle of mm-hmm. this, an industry and there needed to be balance and there just wasn't anyone speaking like this then that that you know um there just weren't there just wasn't the support system so yeah. thank you God for it now being part of Hollywood and women feel more
0: yeah at least that's a conversation I mean there's obviously still a lot of work to be done um everywhere um I I am curious and and we don't have to spend too much more time on this, but it's something that I'm fascinated by. My my other podcast that I do, I talk with victims of sexual abuse by clergy. And so um, positions of power are always interesting to me, how those structures come to be, how they play out, how they fall apart. Um, And I just want to get your perspective, because we look and say, you know, the, the quote unquote, casting couch goes back, you know, in studios in the I mean, the early days of Hollywood, like there were rooms for, that. I mean, it was very open. Um, how do we get to a point where even in the nineties, you know, which is the, you know, you look at history, it's like a more progressive time, right? It's supposed to be like, how do these guys get into power? How do you get a Harvey Weinstein or, or these, these figures that you go, how did this go on for years? Is it just a matter of people being silent about it? Is it, how do they get into these positions in the first place?
1: Well, um, I'm going to cover a few different areas. I you know, love your question about authority figures and how, how, do, how does that become a, a weak point? Yeah. Well, when your, your first authority figures abuse you and you lose trust and faith, which mm. are your parents, You and, you know, a person, a child will grow feeling afraid of authority, authority figures or intimidated by and enough to sacrifice their own well-being because they're terrified of them because they've abused that. So that is, I think what, you know, the attraction, the familiarity, we are all drawn to familiarity. So we all tend to go to what's familiar, even if it's the worst thing for us, right? Just study abuse, you'll see that why is this girl who, or this woman who, who this boy who went through this as a child with somebody that's doing this as an adult, because it's familiar. And yeah. it, and what's interesting uh, within the brain, up until the very moment, because you survived that, your brain thinks it's okay. And up mm-hmm. until the moment that you are actually going to not survive it, that's when your brain goes, oh my gosh, I need to get out of here. And yeah. unfortunately, that like for my grandmother, it's too late, yeah. Yeah. because you would get killed by your by your abuser, and that's the the tragedy of it is we are so wired to seek familiarity that sometimes we don't even know that it's the worst thing for us, and we yeah. need to be more more willing to accept the unfamiliar. That's what saved my life, Eric. Going out into nature was unfamiliar, and yeah. I went towards it. I didn't wasn't afraid of it. Yeah. So. The casting couch. How does that happen? This may be hard for some people to sit here, but I'm just going to say it. Harvey Weinstein's happened as a result of mothers not showing men how to love a woman and honor a woman and respect a woman. I really think, and granted, men behaving badly is a, is a problem. But I think women, we have a huge part in this because every child lives in our bodies is nestled within us is close to us every boy in this world comes through a woman and if that boy is shown how much how much beauty and how much to love and and honor this this caregiver this person who is is stewarding their life if that woman knows her value knows her value through and through knows that she's enough and knows how important it is. If she's not feeling enough, how important it is that she show that young man that she is and all her value. That man is going to grow up knowing her value. He's going to know, know, he's going to grow up balanced because she's going to love on him and show him how amazing and wonderful he is. And he's going to see that reflection and know how amazing and wonderful she is. And I don't think abusive men come from women who aren't abusing themselves in some way with their own value of self. So I think Harvey Weinstein came from perhaps, and that's just my, the first thing that came to my mind when I, you know, I met Harvey in a casting once and he was one of the worst people I've ever producers I've ever been around. He was so abusive. And I was only in the room with him for a few minutes and I was like, my God. And what, just the way he treated the casting director and all of us actors, it was shocking. But when he went, you know, when they, this whole story came out, it was just the first thing that came to my mind was my God, who was his mother? Cause everybody's like, God, what kind of a daddy had? And I was like, what about his mom? And I'm not condemning her. Mm. Bless her heart. You know, but don't tell me that you raised this man to respect women because no guy chooses to be that cruel to women in my, I've just never seen it. I have I'm a bonus mom to boys and uh, you know, I've seen boys, men behaving badly, boys behaving badly. And it it's a result of usually them not respecting women. The first person they're going to respect is their mother. Yeah. So women have to require that love and honoring and that respect. I think we have to. And I just think we've been suppressed and oppressed and pushed down and disvalued. And some cultures make men more valuable than women. The sons are more valuable than daughters. Right. And I think that creates a whole undercurrent mm-hmm. of disvaluing and that needs to stop because there isn't a human being that's more valuable than another human being, yeah. period. And it certainly would never be based on sexual, your, your sex. It's just, it's, it's craziness. We're human yeah. beings. We're a giant species of family that needs to recognize our value. Yeah. And not because of what our sex is, not because of what our skin color is. We just are, geez, man, everybody poops. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. No, I, I, I I appreciate that answer. And that's, that's something um, someone I interviewed said something similar where, um, you know, the, the Harvey Weinstein issue, and they were someone who had been in many films produced by him. And so like, You know, she said when he was arrested, it was like seeing God in handcuffs, like to imagine someone with that much power getting getting taken down. But her answer was similar to yours in the sense of like, it's not just how do you warn young actresses to protect themselves? It's how do you raise better men so they don't become the next Harvey Weinstein? I think that's a really important and that comes down to dad showing you know like i i have a daughter but you know if I, either way whether i have a son or a daughter like how they see me treat their mom you know and the level of worth given to her how she shows care for herself like all those things come into the into into play there um i obviously you know the the theatrical system was pretty toxic you know through the through that period um switching to the commercial world you know and kind of pulling yourself out of that that trajectory was that purely motivated by a lot of the toxicity and the feeling of like i don't want to do the things that are going to you know like you said take me to that next level quote unquote um and was your experience better stepping into the commercial world
1: yeah it was um and and you know what it definitely it 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 impacted it i mean i had crazy situations you know i had you know, a list producers telling me be my girlfriend and I will give you your series. Mm. I made this girl, this girl, and this girl, the craziest conversation that I'm going in for a meeting naive because I don't have any family in this business. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one in my family that's ever been in this business. And so and I'm all about the art of it. I'm all about yeah. the craft. And I'm going in and I'm thinking, okay, this is great. My agent's telling me this producer It's about the
0: acting. <laughs>
1: it's about the acting. It's about the job. I'm this is they're they're doing a film. They want to discuss it with you. And I go in and it's a conversation about, you know, uh you know, it's a, it's basically a a dating service. So it's like I, yeah. why am I having conversation? Why is this this producer telling me this? And what project are you talking about? where's the film that my agents told me it was literally this producer wanted and made this story up and got me in that, you know, and of course I never experienced the casting couch in the sense, but certainly the proposition for it. Mm -hmm. I've even been on castings where I found out later, the name actor was actually interviewing for his next wife.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Are you kidding me? So I just got to the point where I was like, okay, this is a crazy environment. I'm going to go ride my horse. I went out and I was volunteering on a ranch and helping people with their horses. I'm really skilled with horses. And I was since a very young girl and I went back into, and I needed, I knew I needed to go into nature again. And I knew, and I went to the Santa Monica mountains. Uh, and I, uh, I met a yoga instructor who had a horse and I knew, okay, this is where I'm being carried right now because I'm, I'm just so worn out from this. And at the time I was also a mom of four bonus kids and, um, and so being out in nature again and and helping people connect with their horses gave me clarity and I thought you know what it helped it helped refine my clarity. I already had the sense I need to move away from this. I just need to step away. I'm not ready for this. This is I don't know how to walk into a a situation like that with a producer like that and not walk away feeling really pissed, really hurt, really um betrayed Mm -hmm. i felt all of those things and all the time i was spending on on working my craft it was like is there an opportunity for someone like me is this just what it is so i just stepped away and i spoke with an actor uh about a year and a half later who was in the commercial side of it and he said you know you should consider commercials and i had done some commercials in europe and i had done maybe a couple here um i'd done a lot in europe and i was like and it was fun, but it was a completely different environment in Europe. It's just a whole different world in Europe. It's just been around a lot longer than us, <laughs> so they handle everything differently. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said okay, and then I went back into and I and so I, I I gave it a shot and I went and met with an agency. And I have to say, Eric, it was a completely different environment. It was completely different. It was so much more levity. There was a lot more joy in the rooms. Probably maybe because the pressure was different. Mm-hmm. Um, the system in commercials isn't as embedded as it is in the film and TV industry. It's not the same kind of, um, it's, you know, it's just not, not the same kind of, uh, environment. I guess maybe that's why. And I, I think this is a ridiculous terminology, but within the industry, and you've probably heard it, they call the theatrical side legit and they don't call commercial legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that makes me giggle because it's like, first of all, you got to have craft to do commercials because you need to get something across in a very short period of time. Right. And if Matthew McConaughey and all these A-list actors are doing commercials, then how is it not legit? And, you know, and they've yeah. always been doing commercials. So it's like this thing, because there used to be a, a period and that was, and by the way, also in the nineties, my agents didn't want me to do commercials. They want me yeah. to do soaps. They want me to do commercials. Because there was this thing about if you're gonna do films, if you're gonna be a m- movie star, you yeah. can't do commercials, can't do you can't do soap operas. So I was getting all this weird advice um, and and then it just like completely changed yeah. Thank goodness because people have to make a living. Um, but yeah, I I loved it. I just loved it because I could I could play and be free and and be you know, work my craft and have fun. and everybody in the room was having fun. All the casting directors were having fun. The commercial directors—I think I met maybe a couple the whole time that were just odd and not friendly. But there was generally a lot less pressure within the, you know, the backside of the industry that of the commercial industry that um, you just didn't have that experience in the theatrical side. There was just so much pressure, so much writing on it. Agents were always freaking out about, oh my God, this is a huge film and this is huge, <laughs> and you could do this gonna this is a yeah. game changer. And if you get this series, and it's like my agents personally just never did that. Never in a million years would they think of doing something like that. They just, oh. you know, here we got a commercial for you, go on there, have a good time. And and that's what I did. And it just was much uh much more supportive and much more um. Aware that this is a human being going out on these auditions. And right. it's not about your mortgage or your career as an agent in the front of it. It's about your career, obviously. This you're making your living off this. But then the moment to, to bring that energy into it isn't the moment before the audition.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do you have any because obviously, like you said, so much has shifted. It, it's funny because everything just has cycles. So it's funny reading, you know, you read a biography of an actor or interview an actor, you know, who is working in the, you know, the, I mean, earlier periods. I mean, it was like going on TV was that thing. It's like, that's career suicide to go on TV. Now it's like movie stars transition between TV and movies. And there's almost more pedigree to being in a hit TV show now than a a movie. And same with commercials. Like now it's not rare to see, you know, A-list actors or musicians in commercials. Um, so there's a lot of crossover now. Um, and I'm curious, like, have you ever had any inkling of like dipping your toe back into the theatrical world or stepping, back into that industry or is it something where you're like, I had my experience, you know, it was the good, the bad, you know, and I've moved on from that chapter. Is it something you'd ever consider stepping back into?
1: I actually do consider I, because I, you know, i was just having this conversation the other day with somebody that asked me the same thing, um, in my personal life. And, um, I definitely long to, for diving into, a a character and really there's nothing like the craft for uh, when you love it for um, there's something very fulfilling. I guess that's a better way of putting it. It's a very fulfilling experience to be given a script and see, read the story and then start to see this person and then start to see the nuances of that person and to create that, experience within yourself and be, and really see how this person evolves inside of you. Because again, it is the way that we live our lives every day in many ways. The thing about acting is it's, it's almost like you get to put yourself in the, in the mic under the microscope through the eyes of this character and see how this person lives their life and how to create this Mm -hmm. really cool and sometimes, you know, awful depending on the character you're you're playing, but still it's really it's really cool to be able to create that kind of detail. Yeah. That kind of detail is so much fun. So I do miss that. And every now and again I'll submit myself or my agents will on something. Um, but it's rare that I see something, you know, because all the great stuff really, there's not a lot of it. And if yeah. it's out there, they're taking it. <laughs> the ones right. that are in it and 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 right. I and I'm not in that side, but I definitely do. I mean, I haven't pursued it with an agent or anything, but I, um, I yeah. In all transparency, I do miss I do miss that, and I miss actors. I love the the banter and the um, when you're in a character, those hangouts with your co stars yeah. where you just riff as your character and discover new things about your character.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That,
1: That's really fun. And, and so, yeah, that, that's something I, uh, I do miss. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it does take me away from my family though. My family's number one. Yeah. Number one. That's why I also love commercial.
0: And right say, yeah, as yeah
1: long it's... in a way as a week you know
0: yeah absolutely um well i know we're nearing the end of our time here um so i want to ask you just a couple uh quick questions and then i'll move us into our rapid round i'm just going to ask the questions that are on my list i want to ask you <laughs> so all uh i'll slip them in here uh, right at the end um but first i gotta ask you were engaged at least fictionally to pierce brosnan um <laughs> Was he as nice as he appears to be? How? What was your experience with him?
1: One of the nicest human beings I've ever met. I mean, truly. <laughs> I was, you know, and I grew up Remington Steel. Yeah. Watching Remington Steel with my mom, thinking, my, I remember my mom looked at me and goes, he should be 007. And it was like, he should.
0: She should have bet on that.
1: (laughs) She should have bet on that because, you know, it's funny because my mom's a Trekkie too. And I ended up doing Star Trek. When I'm on set with Pierce, I told him that. I said, you know, my mom and I, when I was a little girl, my mom said, he should be 007. He's just perfect. And here you are. And so we kind of had a little giggle about that. He was one of the most kind, thoughtful, generous people. Just everything you think about that man is exactly what he is. He's just... Made me feel so comfortable. And you want to talk about being on a massive set.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Just, I mean, it was massive. 12 cameras on that one scene. 12 yeah. cameras were running at that moment. And there were like six just on the car that we were in. And um, I remember him coming up to me and just saying, just you're not going to get a whole lot of direction. Just, just do what you do. Mm. <laughs>
0: and just,
1: just go for it. And it just made me feel again safe, supported, and accepted. You know, he yeah. was like, he gets it. We're here. And, We're and respected to-.
0: enough to trust you to do your thing.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally respect enough to trust me, do my thing. And and that was just like, all right, let's let's do this, let have fun. The audition for that was very similar to the audition for um city slickers. It's the same hmm. thing. It's just went in the room, director said, This is what just happened. What would you do?
0: Yeah. And Interesting. Yeah. Improvised. You mentioned Star Trek. Um, and thanks to you, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. I have never seen an episode of Star Trek in my life. I watched an episode of Star Trek, your episode <laughs> for this uh, for this interview. Um, what? W- so your mom was a big Trekkie. Were you and was it intimidating? Even, even if you weren't, I have to imagine stepping into something that's that established and has a huge fan base. Was that intimidating? Like, was it like this thing of like, oh, this is huge or was it something where you were like it's another day on the job like what was the 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 mood going on to set for those
1: for me it was like oh my god this is so exciting (laughs) i can't believe this they're actually making a trek uniform i was just like so excited i was just a kid in a candy store it wasn't intimidating at all because again everybody there was so gracious (laughs) and so kind and supportive and um i had a great time i was on the set for a week for that and uh being at paramount and you know and i'm a huge patrick stewart fan forever voice patrick stewart i mean go on he's amazing (laughs) so um i was i didn't get to work with him he only was on set one day and i didn't have any scenes with him so i didn't really get to spend much time with him but he was it was an amazing experience no intimidation um i've never experienced that uh fortunately um I've never had that experience because everybody I've worked with from City Slickers, um mm-hmm. every you know, big established production that I've ever been on has been amazing for the people have been so supportive and and uh and um encouraging. Yeah, and that's been I've been very, very blessed. I've been on some lesser productions <laughs> that have not been that encouraging. Yeah. But you know. Bruno and Billy warned me that that would happen. On City Slickers on my first gig, they said, it's not always going to be like this.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um I I have to ask um so Primeval um is uh is going to be released soon. I'm a big stop motion fan, so I love Ray Harryhausen I'm I'm fascinated by all that stuff. Um are you interested? Have you seen it since shooting it? <laughs> have you seen anything from it since shooting it?
1: <laughs> I haven't. And it was such a crazy situation because I mean, the company went bankrupt and it was like no. all in the midst of that whole battle. I can't, I, 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 am very interested to see it. I have great like <laughs> pictures from, you know, behind the scenes, pictures right. of the an alien and, you know, and there was so much going on, but that was one of those pictures where it was a real challenge. You know, there were things going on that were, you know, not cool. Um, Mm. uh, as far as payment and, you know, the production was having difficulty and there was, you know, our, you know, actors were worried they weren't going to get paid and we're in this, you know, um, we're in another country and we're in Romania and it's, um, you know, not too long after Ceausescu was taken out. And so it's the culture's fragile, but beautiful. And, you know, and I'm just loving the culture that's coming out from being hidden under that oppression. So it was really, that experience was amazing. Um, and the director was a lovely, lovely guy. And uh, we we had, you know, we just had some issues with some of the production, uh, the production company with, you know, uh, there were several things. You got were, the
0: full moon experience, huh?
1: <laughs> I got the full moon experience. You got it. The whole it's, full moon experience.
0: I've, uh, yeah. It seems like that's almost everybody's experience. Like we didn't know if we were going to get paid or if it was even a real movie, but eventually we were wrapped. So maybe we shot something. <laughs>
1: it was crazy because I had actors calling me because I literally said, I'm not going to shoot. I had to, I had to say, my agents told me, they said, you're yeah. not going to work today. You're not going to work. Cannot go on set, And I was like,
0: really? that's my job. <laughs> you know,
1: you never want to tell an actor, you can't go play and perform today, but yeah. I had to because my agent was like, we're not receiving the money and you're not working and that's the contract. And you can't go on set. So then I had to deal with all the other actors being pissed off at me because their agents yeah. weren't calling them out. So yeah. I had to, I had that I had to walk that line. Then I met agent some of the actors you know years later, and they were like, "Did you ever get did you Did you get all your money? I never got all my money," and I was like, "I did. I got every. I paid every cent that I was contracted." They were like, "Damn, I
0: should have should have listened. <laughs> I should
1: have <listen. laughs> freaking walked out like you did. Your agents were good," and I was like, "Well, you know, they just were. They were." they were, you know, I had a contract with my agents, you know, so the contract with the production company, but I got a contract with my agents too. And I got to fulfill both of those as an actor. Sometimes actors don't think about that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to move us into our uh, random round. These are five questions I ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, And thanks for indulging my, uh, my couple bonus extra questions there. Um, The first thing I want to know is what of your projects do you think is the best representation of you as a creator?
1: I think that some of the, my best projects as a creator have been auditions for gigs I haven't, I haven't gotten. Because the ones that I've gotten are, I mean, as an actor, you're you're unless you're, you know, Daniel Day Lewis and they hire you and say, you know, which I didn't, you know, establish myself to that degree, say, um, this is a script, but do what you want.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Just do what you want, because you're amazing. As an actress, you know, and and during that period, you know, I'm following what you know, doing my interpretation of the character, but I am required to follow. So as far as creator, I don't know, that doesn't feel like something that I can really say are the best representation of me. I mean... City Slickers is the most fun. And it was my first because it was all improvisation. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with Dante's improvisation. That was all just me. There was not scripted. Um, And in many ways, all of the work that I do is kind of that way. Um, I don't I think I pulled myself out a little too early to be able to say. This is the best representation. I hope that that is a good enough answer, but that's how I feel.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, totally, do you feel like, do you feel like writing has been an expression that's been like kind of scratched that itch, I guess, so to speak?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've written, I have scripts and I've written my, my whole, you know, adult life and young life, teen life. Uh, mm. It was an escape for me and a way to, um, clarify my feelings. So I definitely, that's, I love writing and I love the imagination. So, um, but yeah, my, my most creative, I don't know if anyone's ever actually seen, in fact, um, there was a movie. It just reminds me of it. As you say this, there was a movie that I really wanted to do and the director really wanted me to do it, but the producer said, she's too pretty. And that has all changed too. Thank goodness. Because Um, This character was a killer. She was a serial Mm -hmm. killer. And man, did I have fun with that character. And I loved, I loved diving into that, that darkness, Um, because I live in I just, it was like, a you know, we're binary beings, and we work Mm -hmm. hard to be who we are, but we have dark and light in us. And when you get to really dive into something that you don't practice daily, (laughs) and really go in there, it is an, an interesting discovery on the human psyche and just it one thing that acting will do if you dive into the craft and I think Uta Hagen maybe said something along these lines as well it makes you very um resistant to judging people because Mm. you recognize the nuances of humanity People, you don't want to judge somebody no matter what because the um you don't know what it is going what's going on in there. And when you go into the craft on a character that's that dark, that mm-hmm. hurt, that uh retributionary, it's real clean cut and deep dive. And that probably was my most fun and creative audition because I really worked on it. And the director, yeah, it was one of those moments where the whole room just was there was nothing said for a while. It was like, holy crap. And I was like gone for a bit. I, you know, when you really go into a character, sometimes you don't remember what you did because you're in that space. And I, and I just remember how upset I was that they said I was too pretty. And then I remember when Charlize Theron did uh, Theron, 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 Theron. Charlize, I remember you took the time to let us all know how to say that Charlize Theron did monster. And I was like, yes, Because you know what? She killed it. And she's absolutely beautiful. And um, crazy people can be pretty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very true. Very true. (laughs) Um, If you were given the green light to remake any film ever, what would you choose and why?
1: If I can make the green light to make any film, what would I choose and why? Wow. Um, I think I would make a film to show that relationship between a mother and a son and the evolution, the impact and, and, and just the mother. And just specifically, I don't like that word just, cause it's not a just situation, mother and a son and family, but really focusing on that relationship and showing what it looks like. If it could be done, you know, take years as that child grows up and the kind of man that child grows into or in the in reverse mm. a man behaving badly and his beginning maybe both sides because and the reason I would do it because it's, I think it would help humanity help us help women respect themselves Mm -hmm. more and recognize their value and responsibility and purpose in many ways here we are so caught up in what's your purpose it may not be glamorous to women to think you know being a mother is your purpose but you it is part of your purpose as a feminine energy you are creation you carry it within you and so it's extremely, in my opinion, glamorous, wonderful, and beautiful, and amazing. And it's just the perspective of it because it's been minimized.
0: Right. right.
1: Perspective. So I think I would, I would do that film because it would, it would be really cool just to see, to see that. I would love to see it. And, um, and I think it may help people. Yeah. Help uh,
0: what is a movie that people would be surprised to know that you enjoy?
1: What is a movie that people would be surprised to know I enjoy? Yellowstone. It's not a movie, it's a series.
0: Everyone Uh, talks about it, but I haven't seen it yet.
1: Yeah, I just think um, because, you know, I mean, it has a lot of violence and a lot of stuff, but I love, well, maybe they wouldn't be because of the horses and the country and that's very much part of my life. But the the character, um, the daughter, she's just so freaking good at her character she's so freaking just out on a limb she's so fractured she's amazing to watch um i want to give you a movie that people would be surprised that um are you are you speaking of a movie that I like that Yeah, a
0: movie you like that that people would go. I didn't expect her to pick that. I know it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. we um, yeah. established before this. Um, but is there any <laughs> um is there anything or even if it's a movie that maybe most people would say, "Oh, it's not a very good movie," but you're like, "I love this movie." This mm. you know. The, uh, <laughs> you have some deep affinity for it. I
1: have a deep affinity for it. Um Kali. That's such a great question. Um, I'm having a hard time, you know, it's going to come to me as soon as this interview's over, <laughs> um, which sucks, but <laughs> which totally sucks, but, uh, no, I can't, I, you know, I think I'm pretty easy to read when it comes to, um, I don't, first of all, I don't spend a lot of time watching TV and, and film. Um, I have watched a lot, maybe Kurosawa, maybe mm. people would never think that I'd be a Kurosawa, but I'm a Kurosawa, like. Groovy. <laughs> I what, love. What's Kyrgyz. his
0: best? Do you think?
1: Oh, I think that. Well, of course the the uh seven uh, Seven Samurai. In my twenties and thirties, I watched a lot of Kurosawa. I was a total, hmm. and I never realized that the Seven uh, Magnificent Seven was taken from the it.
0: American version. Yeah,
1: yeah, the American version. I, I learned that in, when I was studying film, but uh but yeah, Kurosawa with Ronan.
0: Right. That's three down, two to go. Uh, What is the best decade of film history? If you had to pick a decade, what would you pick?
1: I wish I could say it's right now. Um, Because I love how things are in some of the smaller films, more independent Mm -hmm. stuff is evolving. Um,
0: I mean, that's a valid answer.
1: I mean, I I do really, I do really love, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. I love the heart in that film. Mm-hmm. I love the mixing superhero with um, real deep human condition. I do love that. I love the entertainment of effects, but I have to say, I also love, you know, my left foot. Um, I love the piano. I love the deep, thoughtful moments we had in the 90s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, but I want to say now, just because I want to see what we're going to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a strong start. This has been a great year so far. So I'm curious to see what's on on the horizon over the next, uh, eight, seven or eight years now. Um, the last question I ask everybody, uh, what is the best piece of advice you would give to an aspiring filmmaker who is listening to this? I feel like you've left a couple of gems throughout already, but if you had to give one piece of advice, uh, what would you choose?
1: Be patient with yourself. Um, There is no perfect. Mm. And trust, 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 not only your gut, but the gut of those you chose to work with you on this, this story, this creation, because it's that collaboration founded Mm -hmm. in trust that really allows for the magic to happen
0: love it great great piece of advice and uh thank you so much Walker for taking the time uh, to do this interview I really do appreciate it and uh and thanks for making me watch my first Star Trek episode so <laughs> so there you go you know I'm
1: a Star Trek more than a Star Wars girl I love the um the humanity in Star Trek.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Film School Podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five star review and hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.